Well, welcome to Traversing Life's Path, Episode 1, Hello World, Here I Am. Well, the day's finally arrived. I have my podcast all set up. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to put out my first episode, and I'm totally excited, totally nervous. Excited for, this is something I've been working on for the past three years of my life and trying to get it going, but nervous to the point to where I'm putting myself out there. I'm going to be given a lot of personal details, but I think that's important in order to get what I want to get out into the podcast. So I'm a little nervous, so everybody just kind of work with me. I'm sure as we roll along here in future episodes, I will be getting a lot smoother and such like that. So I just want you to know up front, first episode, first time I've ever done this. Um, I definitely um, want to have a little fun with it and hopefully you enjoy it. So again, the name of my podcast is going to be Traversing Life's Path. Now, I've come up with that name due to the fact my background in traveling. I love traveling. I love taking roads, highways, just different places that'll take me different areas of the country to explore. That's what I love doing. I love photography. I love everything about flying drones, putting those together and showing you some of the places that I've been. And so I kind of equated this new podcast to a road trip that would allow you to see the roads that I've gone down in my life and what those roads that I've traveled, the consequences or the good things that's happened from them. That's what I want to convey to you through this podcast are the struggles that we face going down life's path. We never know what road's going to lead us where. We never know where we're going to end up. But for me, the roads that I've taken, I'm well aware of. I know what these roads look like. I Sometimes I picked up the warning signs and got back. Sometimes I totally disregarded those warning signs and continued down that path, which has led me to some of the craziest destinations, some of the worst times of my life, and the struggles that I've faced. Some of these episodes in my podcast I'm going to be talking about are going to be pretty deep. Uh, I think they affect a lot of people. I know they affected me, and I think that all of these topics that affected me is not necessarily going to be what has affected you, but maybe one or two you'll be able to choose from, pick from, saying, hey, you know, I've kind of been in that same boat. How did you handle it? A lot of my podcast is going to be about me speaking about where I went, how I handled it, how I got through it, what I did for self-help. Now, let me put this out here right now. In no way, shape, or form am I a licensed psychologist, counselor, anything like that. I'm simply sharing with you what I've done that does not make it correct. So don't take what I say as gospel or any kind of doctor. Hey, you know, I'm going to do that. Don't do that. Just listen to what I have to say. If you're going through some of the same struggles, everybody's different. Everybody's going to have a different healing path. They're going to have to go on to get that particular subject uh, taken care of in their life. So please, I just want to put that out there for you to know. In my episodes, I'm going to be covering a lot of in-depth conversations on these topics. And some of those topics are going to be depression, suicide, suicidal thoughts. The feeling of worthlessness is the big one for me. Because after I've made all these mistakes in my life, I really struggle with feeling like I'm worthless. Even though I've had this great life, I've done a lot of major great things in my life. I just don't feel sometimes that I'm worthy of anybody's love. So that's going to be a big topic for me. Uh, We're also going to be discussing things like drug addiction, 
definitely many, many more. These are all things that have directly affected me in my life. And I want to share this with you and just let you know that there is hope out there. You can heal from this effectively. Now, all these things that I'm talking about here doesn't mean that I'm healed and I'm this expert on the subject and all that. I still struggle with each of these topics. Not that they're at the forefront of my mind, but I still struggle with them. I'm by far not over any of this. I'm just working through it to get to that point. And in some of these areas, I'm great. I've passed them, but some of them I'm still hung up on. And I want you to help me get through that. And that's part of the reason I'm releasing this is I hope to get encouragement from you. But likewise, it's just not all about me. I hope that you get in contact with me on Facebook. I hope you leave messages saying, hey, Tim, you know, I'm going through the same thing. You know, I that way we can start building each other up, helping each other, you know, offer each other words of encouragement to get through this. That is what life's about. We've got to help each other. I see so many people stranded, not knowing what to do, afraid to reach out. I was one of them. I want people to reach out. I want to build a community through this podcast that if you have a prayer request, anything like that, just put it in a message to me. I will not blast your name out there. I'll just say, hey, this came in. You know, put your hands together, get on your knees and let's pray for these people. There's some real problems out there. I want it to be a reciprocal relationship. I want it to go back and forth and so we can help each other. That is the whole purpose of this uh, to do. Now, the good thing about this is I don't regret any decision that I've ever made. I know that sounds crazy. We all wish we could go back to that time and I wish we could change this. I wish we could change that. We all know that's impossible. Unfortunately, we have to live with the decisions we made. That's what I'm having to do. That's the reason I wouldn't change anything to the point because I would not have matured the way I have. I wouldn't have learned these lessons. And if anything that I can do for you is this right here. Trust me, I've made about all the bad decisions you can make in life. So there's no need for you to make them. Let me have the <laughs> toil from them, uh, lack of a better uh, word. But there's a lot of things out there that I have done and some of my greatest downfalls have come from these decisions. But here's the flip side. Some of, my, some of my greatest victories in life have come from the decisions I've made on a back road that I wasn't supposed to be on. So basically, this right here, what I'm doing right now, this is my history, and this is my testimony. And I'm going to start telling you a little bit about my background in this first episode. Um, like I said, the name of this is going to be Hello World, This Is Me. And so let's start learning a little bit about me now. All right, so here's what I want you to do. Everybody that's listening, just sit back and think about this for a second. When you were a young child, and it's hard to remember back that far for people at my age, but try the best you can. Go back to thinking like you were grade school. And it seems like when we're at that age, we have this amazing outlook on life. You know, this is when we're starting to discover who we are, kind of what we want to be in life. So think about it. You know, I, for me, I, you know, I had several different things. Um, I wanted to be a firefighter, you know, police officer, which I actually became. Uh, some kids want to be doctors and lawyers, things like that. But basically we had this fairy tale 
as a small child about what life's going to be. Uh, you know, we, we're going to live in this big house. We're going to have fancy cars. We're going to have a very pretty spouse, white picket fence, that kind of stuff. That's the fairy tales. That's what we know about life as a young child, it seems. Not everybody has that, but a lot of children do. That just happens to be some of the things that I wanted to be when I grew up. And so I was fortunate enough to have that fairy tale life. However, as I got older, things really did start changing for me. I started being more cognizant of what was happening around me, what was happening in my household. And some long, some way along uh, that road of from a child to a young adult, my perception of the world really became where there wasn't a lot of hope. It, it felt really dim for me because of some of the situations that were happening around me. Uh, things like that, that just really rocked my fairy tale, fairy tale world that I believed that I could actually have. And some of these things were from what I've caused on myself, but for the majority of it, it was my surroundings, my household that I grew up in, and things like that that really affected that fairy tale. What I want to do is kind of invite you into the Landis household a little bit, uh, what it was like for me growing up. Um, believe it or not, this is going to be hard for some of you to believe because of my past actions, but when I was a young kid, I really felt that I had a call for the ministry. Um, from about the age 12, I knew that somehow I was going to be a preacher. I knew that I was aware of the gifts that I'd been given to fulfill this calling. Um, I have a gift of communication. One thing, strong point that I know that I have is my ability to communicate. I can take things that are hard concepts to understand and kind of break those down and make them understandable. That's just one of the gifts that I've been giving that. Um, but communication has always been a big part of my life. Uh, obviously, I'm doing a podcast and I love to talk, and if you don't believe that, you can ask any one of my teachers growing up. That was always the check mark in the box that I got the most. Timmy talks too much in class. Kind of funny point is in the third grade, I talked so much, I had to write sentences all the time. And I still, to this day, remember those sentences. I have not forgotten them. It wasn't something like, I will not talk in class. Just to kind of give you an excerpt of what those sentences were, here's what it was. For silence is golden, so they say, but I have talked the live long day, so for my punishment I must write in hopes that tomorrow I will be quiet. So you can kind of tell that I love to talk. <laughs> it's been with me a long time. So when you look at a family on the outside like ours, you see us going to church on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesdays, and you think that, man, this is family that got it, or excuse me, bad English there, that has it together, right? You see us going to church, dad's a deacon, mom and dad are working in the children's church, I'm involved with youth, my sisters are as well. It looks like, you know, a picture-perfect family from the outside, but this is one point that I know all of us know. If people really knew what was going on inside our house, they would probably be shocked a little bit. Because on the outside, this perfect little world, it looks perfect. But when you actually peer through the window or you are living inside that household, you definitely know that there's some things that are going on. Some of the things that occurred in our house that really made a lasting effect, not just on me, but my sisters as well, is that we had grew up with a lot of fighting in our household. Mom and dad um, 
had problems communicating. And one thing that they thought that they would communicate or how they could communicate is by yelling and screaming. So from an early age, me and my sisters picked up on that is, hey, you know, if you want to effectively communicate, you got to yell and scream to get your point across. And so I'm not saying it was like that all the time, but there was never any discussions. It seems like there was a lot of of that going on growing up throughout our entire childhoods. Um, some of the other things that has happened is as a kid, for instance, uh, I suffered from asthma really bad. Uh, I was lucky to be born. Uh, I had some problems and complications at birth, and my asthma kept me from doing a lot of things that uh, my other friends were doing because I had it so bad. So that kind of put a chip on my shoulder that I couldn't be involved in a lot of those things. And I had a little bit of a weight problem as a kid. You know, I hated the Sears catalog because when we ordered my pants, we had to go to the Husky section. So, you know, a childhood nickname was Husky, for instance. And so, you know, even though that's kind of a little thing for a young kid that has a weight problem and you kind of make fun of them a little bit, that is another kind of chip on the shoulder that you kind of uh, pick up a little bit. On top of that, um, we faced as a family uh, some drug addiction in the house. My mother, bless her heart, I loved her to death. Uh, I still love her to this day. She's passed on, but I didn't know at the time what was happening, but there was uh, mom had become addicted to prescription pills from an early age. Uh, there was lots of times that ambulances would come to the house, pick up my mother. I didn't know what was going on. Um, of course, the adults did, but I didn't, so I grew up with this. It seemed pretty regular. Um, I don't know. I can't give you, you know, like, say, once a month or whatever, but it was several times a year. Seeing your mom carted out in an ambulance has that effect on you. Uh, so uh, you don't know if she's going to die or she's going to be living. Nobody knows at that point in time. So that was kind of a scary point in growing up. So growing up, these kind of things separated my parents quite a bit. Uh, we still lived under one roof. My parents were never divorced. They stayed married, uh, I think for 46 years, I believe is what it was, uh, before dad passed away. But it became to, our house became a separate household. Mom was doing her things. Dad was doing her things. They weren't even in the same bedroom. So as kids, we're seeing this, this is what it's imprinting on us in our adult life. Uh, so we're taking away, we're not really understanding everything what's going on. And it's not until later in life I kind of understood uh, being married and divorced myself what that uh, intended and how rough uh, marriage definitely can be. But I don't know what kind of house you grew up in, but I can tell you this, the development stages of a child living through different types of conditions, it does influence their future and how they treat and deal with issues later in life. Because... I look back and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I am my dad reincarnated. So I look back at some of my sisters are going to hate me for saying this, but I can see my mom and uh, some of the ways that they act. And I can see my mom and some of the ways that I act. So we learn from our parents at this young age. And this is kind of the stuff that I was seeing growing up with and um, learning from. So I didn't have the best learning example uh, from my parents. Now, I'm not saying that, and uh, let me put this caveat in here, is that we had some rough times in the Landis household. There's no doubt about it. And I don't want to make it look like I, it was all gloom and doom because it wasn't. We had a lot of good times. I don't want it to sound so overwhelming. 
I just want you to know that I'm purposely picking on the bad times in the life to show you kind of how I developed what later in life I developed into because of some of this. And by any and all means, I'm not blaming my past on the decisions I made because the decisions I made older, uh, getting into adulthood, I made on my own. I knew right from wrong. I knew the decisions were wrong, but I did them anyway. So I can't blame that on my past. But one thing that we do take is how we learn things from a childhood and apply it into our adulthood. So I just want to put that out there. We had great times in the household. It wasn't always bad, gloom and doom, like I said. There were some good times. Now, really, there's in my junior high and high school years, there's not a lot uh, that happened. I was pretty normal. Uh, you know, I played sports. I had friends. Uh, I didn't go out drinking. I didn't do any drugs. I didn't do any of that stuff. I was always just kind of doing my own thing, finding things to do. I had a job from the eighth grade on at a movie theater, which I still think is one of the best jobs I ever had. And so that was pretty normal. And I really didn't see the change in my life until I got to college. That is when everything kind of hit me. I had left my parents' house, struck out on my own. And I found out that the first year in college is one of the ones that you're, it's so full of decisions. Those decisions for me included what beer did I want to drink that night? What alcohol did I want? Those were the kind of decisions I began making in college. I was out from underneath my parents' uh, roof. My parents did not drink. There was never any alcohol in the house. And all of a sudden, I found out that, hey, alcohol's kind of cool. And so that led me to, believe it or not, my parents, I'm glad they're passed away. I'm not glad they're passed away, but I'm glad they never found out prior to them <laughs> passing away that my first year in college, I got voted biggest partier on campus. Now, when you start thinking about all the students on a campus college and you get the biggest partier, that ought to tell you something. That's how off the charts I went. And so as I progressed, I made it past my sophomore year, or excuse me, my uh, freshman year. I did pass my classes, uh, which was, I don't know how I did it, but I did it. But then I got into my sophomore year and the first semester in my sophomore year, we all decided we were going to go skydiving. So me and my friends went skydiving. We skydived quite a bit. Uh, we got to where it became a habit. We loved it. And lo and behold, I ended up breaking my back. And that's another story for another podcast idea. So here I am, The uh, when I returned back my uh, sophomore year, second semester, I'm in a Ninja Turtle brace. Have to, And it, of course, it makes you look funny and all that, but... It is a miracle that I'm able to walk. And like I said, that's going to be for a future podcast that we're going to go on through. So, But moving on through college, when I got into my sophomore year, uh, uh, junior year and on forward, I really got involved in the student government, which was kind of a lifesaver for me. Um, I got into the student council. And when I got into the student council, I was able to move up to president of the student council and ended up being the government of the student government association, which is uh, was a great thing it helped pay for my college because of the scholarships that you got and it kind of saved me in college and also looking back i had some great professors uh, in college that basically took me under their wing i learned a lot from them and it was a professor student relationship but for me it's a little bit more than that they i i really want to thank them uh, all that i can every time i see them due to the fact that they did help shape my life and get me going in a direction um, that I am on today still. And of course, 
One thing that we can't uh, deny in college, we usually have our first, first serious relationship, which I did. Uh, I did meet a girl in college that I did later uh, marry and uh, divorce, as a matter of fact. But again, these are all going to be in the future episodes, but I just want to give you some basic background information. Now, after college, I pretty much jumped right into my career. For the next 25 years, it was all law enforcement. I was young, married, and relatively brief time later, we had our first son. And 17 months later, we had a second son. We weren't planning him that close. They just came that close. So here I am, out of college, married, with a family now, two kids, and I'm working narcotics for the state of Oklahoma. Now, as you can tell, or as you can uh, tell that Working that type of job with two young kids, it takes a lot of your time. I mean, you're constantly on the go. You're never sitting still, getting called out all times of day and night. And that begins begins to kind of wear down a little bit. Uh, you kind of miss some things. You know, you're planning a kid's birthday party or Christmas, but you're getting called away to take care of other people's problems. And it kind of starts to neglect your family. I was fortunate in the part that a lot of times I was able to be there, but there were some major events that I missed that definitely hurt um, my family. And it did hurt me too. And that's one of the reasons that I not discourage people from law enforcement, but uh, if you get into law enforcement, just know that you're going to be missing a lot of that. But on the flip side of it, here's what working in any law enforcement jobs I mean, it is an awesome job. It really is. I mean, it is an adrenaline-filled job. But what the movies don't explain is the toll that it takes on your body and soul. You have to remember, when you answer these calls, you're never going to be greeted with, hey, how you doing? Come on in, you know, have a drink, sit down and have some cookies, you know, things like that. Every call you answer is a distress call. Everybody that you meet need you there for some reason, for a domestic situation, for a drug situation, for a homicide, anything, there's always going to be stressed out people that you meet. And we're seeing this day after day after day. I responded, like I said, to death scenes, drug-crazed individuals, neglected and abused children. I had to deal with their problems day in and day out. Now, what's hard to explain about law enforcement, unless you've been there, you'll understand what I'm talking about. The things that you see and the things that you have to do, how do you explain that? It is overwhelming, the things that you see, the horrific sights that you see. How do you process that? That is one thing that nobody teaches you. When you come up on a homicide scene and you see dead bodies and mangled bodies from accidents or you see starving kids because the parents have neglected them. How do you actually process that? It is almost impossible. Still to this day, I have a lot of these images burned in my mind. I still see and feel and live every day because I can't get them out of my head. You take that and apply it to your life and try to be normal, and you start having some problems. And so I loved my career. I loved everything about it. I was able to do amazing things. Um, but it, it played a big part on my outlook in life. 
because all I ever dealt with was the negative things and not anything good, it, it seemed like. Like I was telling you earlier, I, I did end up getting married, and that lasted about seven years. I, I just found out that I couldn't handle the pressures of being married anymore. I noticed that some of the things that I saw in my parents' relationship, I was seeing in my relationship. And I just couldn't justify being married and putting myself into that situation anymore. So I took it upon myself and I take full responsibility for breaking up my family and I felt that I was justified in doing it. Now divorce is one of those things that it doesn't only affect you, but it affects your whole family uh, from your ex-wife or ex-spouse to your kids. And you don't fully understand the ramifications that that decision can cause until sometimes later in life. And um, again, that's going to be one of these situations that I'm going to talk about later. But after my divorce, I'd found that I had moved away from the person that I really knew that I was. I never really saw myself as a bad person. I really didn't. I always felt that there was good in me. I always felt that I had something to offer. But after a while of just dealing with everybody else's problems, dealing with the broken divorce home that I just caused, uh, growing up the way I did, all of this I, had an effect on me to the point that sometimes I got to looking in the mirror and I didn't even recognize who I was. I w literally thought, who is this guy standing in front of me? And it, I had moved away so much from what I had learned, what I knew was right, basically living on my own terms and doing what I wanted when I wanted. Now it's this time in my life, you know, I'm in my um, 30s and I really started, I knew I was off the rails on a crazy train as Ozzy put it, uh, but it came the time, there, there's two significant events in my life that happened that I'll recall with perfect lucidity that I can tell you that changed the trajectory of my life more than anything. Uh, the first event occurred back is in 2000, 2004. Um, it was basically one of the worst years in my life that I can recall. And I had moved so far away from the person I once was uh, that I, again, like I said, I didn't even recognize myself. I actually became haunted, so to speak, by the destruction that I'd caused to myself and others. I was at that point that I was so ashamed. I couldn't believe how I had acted. Reality hit me. It's when I started to have to pay for, or the price came due of my, some of my mistakes that I've made in life and the way I've treated people. And it was bearable to the point that I really couldn't take it anymore. And I'm not proud to say that I got to the point that I was ready to end it. I, I mean, I remember the night perfectly. I was laying in bed. I prepared myself. I was reflecting back on all my decisions and just wanting the pain to go away. I wanted it out of my head. I could not stand it anymore. What a lot of people don't understand, and I didn't understand at the time either until this event, is that there's physical pain and there's mental pain. And I will tell you right now, I would rather have physical pain than mental pain any day of the week. Because our minds can produce this painfulness that we can't, comprehend uh, and it only gets worse because it compounded daily by thinking about the events and such as that 
So basically, I had made the decision I was going to end it. I mean, I had prepared notes for my loved ones. Uh, I remember writing specifically, you know, asking for their forgiveness. I know that they're not going to understand this. But the time was due for me. I needed to stop my downward spiral. I needed to stop the destruction that I'd caused. And hopefully by doing this, people would be rejoicing in the streets that I wasn't there no more to cause them any more pain. So I I definitely remember there, uh, laying there that night, reaching over my nightstand and uh, got my gun. And I was totally prepared to take my life. And I can't explain what happened that night except through the grace of God that I am still here to talk about it. Because for that split instant, right before I would have made this decision, um, some thoughts came into my head about what I have to be, to live for. And I'm glad that happened when it did, because now I'm here able to talk to you about the podcast. Again, that's going to be something else I'm going to go in deeper when we start uh, getting into the podcast later on. But that is one of the most traumatic events. That's one of the most vivid events that I remember uh, in my life. And like I said, only by the grace of God was I spared. So after that, you know, and getting back out of that suicidal type feelings, you'd think that, man, I, you know, somehow I'm transformed and I become this wonderful person. But, you know, I even that didn't transform me. That didn't really it stopped a lot of my destructive behavior and it stopped about 90% of it getting to that point. But still I had some changes to make and it would take unfortunately another death to wake me up in 2008. This is the second event that changed my life and put me on the course that I'm on right now. But in 2008, my dad passed away and I can't explain to you his death was the hardest thing that I ever had to face my dad and I were very, very close. He was the only person in this world that I could lean on, that I could count on, that would be there with me. When you lose that, you totally become lost because that rock is gone. You have nothing to lean on and you find yourself falling. And I didn't know how I was going to make it after that uh, because my dad was always able able to give me the wisdom. I mean, uh, he could tell me anything and I would listen to it. He's the one person that I would listen to. And now that's been taken from me. Part of my soul was gone after that. And I haven't talked a great detail about my dad, but as crazy as life was growing up, he was actually a good man. I knew that he struggled as well, but he always ended up doing the right thing. And that's what I appreciated about it. Dad would make offhand comments, but when it came down to it, I've never seen a man that walked the straight and narrow and did the right thing every time, at least in my eyes. I was fortunate to have him in my life, and that's the reason I think that after his passing, it it woke me up. It it did. It's kind of what I call my great awakening. I really started taking into account the way I've lived my life, um, the, the things that I've done and how I've devastated people's lives. And that's when the real change started happening for me, where I kind of just woke up and said, you know what, I'm tired of walking down this road of destruction. I'm getting off this path and I'm going to start doing what's right. So I hated that my dad passed away, but I'm thankful that his death had a meaning. And I don't know if it might have meant anything like that to my other siblings or other family members 
But for me, it was my great awakening. So there was good that came out of my dad's death because my dad, he passed away suddenly. And that kind of, uh, I never had a chance to say goodbye. And that's what always hurt. So after kind of recovering and getting over that a little bit, this is back in 2009, um, I found that I I thought I'd found the love of my life, and I decided to take the plunge and get married a second time. A sequel is uh, what it's been referred to. But even though I thought I was ready, I, I really wasn't ready. I still needed to mature more, and that brought into some problems into the marriage as well. There is a... Uh, quote in the Bible, not a quote, but a verse in the Bible talking about being equally yoked. And in both of my marriages, I found out later that, number one, I wasn't equally yoked. And that has caused a bunch of problems in both marriages. Uh, but then, you know, you throw in those resol- unresolved issues in a second uh, marriage and it fails. So trying to overcome all these obstacles in a second marriage, it, it just proved too much and it ended up being fatal. Uh, three years later, the marriage was over, and so there's a lot of more that goes into that, and again, when we get into the episode on divorce, I'm going to kind of go deeper into that as well, but again, I kind of found myself on this road of loneliness, feeling worthless. Um, I've had a lot of bad things at this time happen in my life, and I'd just get over something, then another one would come up, and I'd react to it. And I it probably wasn't in the best way. So it, even though that I'm on this great awakening, I'm still learning lessons the hard way and not really changing much at this point in time. And it got to the point to where I became estranged from my family. Uh, this point in time, I had been taking care of my mother after my dad had passed away. And it seemed like her addiction became greater and I was finding her unresponsive on a somewhat frequent basis. And I finally threw up my hands and I said, told both my sisters, I like, you know what? I'm the only one here. I can't handle this anymore. And you're going to have to handle it. And I walked away. I lost contact for my mom uh, for about three years. I didn't talk to her. I didn't have anything to do with her. I was so mad. I was so angry that she continued to do these things to herself, putting me in this position of finding her. And I didn't want to come home sometime and find her dead. So I threw up my hands and left the situation. My two sisters come in. They try to help the situation. They're finally having to see what I'm seeing because I've been dealing with all this on my own. You can't possibly describe to somebody over the phone because my little sister lived on the East Coast. My sister lived in South Texas. From a distance, you can't explain to them exactly the situation. They just had to come and see it. I left, like I said, lost contact with my mother for three years. At that point in time, I didn't care if she lived or died because of the what she was doing to herself. And so I gave it over to my sisters. And unfortunately, it didn't get any better for a long time. And I didn't care for what my sisters were doing. And so I ended up losing contact with my sisters. So here I am estranged from the only family that I have left, my two sisters and my mom. And it's something that lasted a couple years. Uh, it's something that I think I needed to kind of step away from, but in the which in the way that I stepped away from it wasn't the best way to handle that situation. We should have all got together and worked on it together, but I threw my hands up. I was done and left them to take care of it. Then on top of that, like I said, I was getting mad at the decisions that they were making. In 2016, um, 
my mom ended up passing away and it was on new year's uh, day 2016 and i'm thankful for this i i want you to know that me and mom did reconcile uh, before her death and i'm so thankful for that i would have hate i would have hated to lose another parent and not have that chance to say goodbye but fortunately uh, i grew up i gained some wisdom and i met back with my mom and my sisters and we all became a family again it seemed like i was the one that walked away so i take full responsibility for that but for the first time in a long time i felt that okay I really got a family, uh, talking about my siblings, not my sons or anything, but that I'm reunited with my sisters and my mom, which was really a good feeling for me. And there was a chance to have that healing and restoration with my mom that I, I desperately needed that reflected back to childhood. So as you can tell, there's been a lot in my life. And looking back, it's been a hard road. I look back and see all the destruction I've left behind from the decisions that I've made. I see not only how they affected me, but how they affected the people I loved. And most of the time, it was not in a good way. My road to recovery is long, and I say that because I'm continuing my road to recovery. Any and all means, I've grown by steps and bounds, uh, and I'm thankful that I've made it through all this. And I can't give anybody else the credit except by the grace of God that I've made it this far. He has been with me. You know, the old poem footsteps about, hey, where were you in all this? This is when I was carrying you. God really probably strained his back on carrying me through all the situations that he had to. And I'm thankful every day for his mercy and grace. Because I know without it, I wouldn't be here. Um, some of the things that I've done to help my recovery, and it really is tough. But I had to peel back those layers of hurt and the people that hurt me. I've been telling you about all the destruction that I've caused, but that doesn't negate that other people has caused me pain as well. And that is one of those things that in life, in a relationship, in a marriage, it's 50-50. I've talked about the, some of the short things or the little things that I've done. And of course, we're going to go uh, in future episodes in deeper, but that doesn't stop the pain that they caused me. And so not only am I dealing with the pain that I've caused, but the others have caused me. And so I decided to, it's like any kind of wound, you know, unless you take care of that wound, it's not going to heal on its own. So I decided just to rip off the bandaid of life and expose that wound and finally start healing that wound properly. Um, cause that's the only way it's going to. And so I've noticed that by revisiting all this hurt as hard as it was, it actually began the healing process for me. Now, it's been one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life, and that is recognizing my responsibility in all this chaos and the hurt. But until you finally take that responsibility for your actions, I promise you this, you're never going to heal. It's kind of like the airplane, uh, oh, the speech you get when you're in an airplane, you know, if the oxygen mask drop, put it on yourself first, then put it on the others. That's kind of a theory of life, really. I had to put that oxygen myself on myself so I could begin healing. And in that process of healing, you're going to help that wound and it's going to eventually scar over. So you're always going to have that scar left there to remind you, but it's healed. And that's kind of the phase that I'm in right now. The scar is there. 
and now the healing is not completed, but it's still there. It's still a reminder, and it's how I deal with it now that definitely makes it a lot different. Instead of getting mad, angry, I'm able to look at that, pause, reflect, pray about it, and get over it a lot easy, uh, easier. And until you take this step, that's really the only way this healing process can begin. And I'm thankful for it because here I am. My healing experience has led me to this point, a podcast that I'm doing right now, airing out my laundry. And my true hope is that somehow through what I'm talking and conveying to you that you'll realize that if there's pain in your life, suffering in your life from not necessarily these topics, but other things that there's healing. I promise you there's healing behind it. And more importantly is that the testimony that you get from going through this, it becomes powerful. It's just a reminder that no matter where you are in your life, we all struggle, we all fall short, but there's forgiveness behind it. And once you receive that forgiveness and accept that forgiveness through God's grace and only through God's grace that you have that, you have this testimony that you are able to not sympathize anymore, but empathize with people going through these situations. You can understand these situations more in depth. I'm not uh, through struggling for sure, and I'm not through learning for sure. There's still many more life lessons I know I'm going to have to learn. The way I look at myself, I'm a warrior indented in battle war, excuse me, battle worn armor. I'm still standing. And I'm looking over this battlefield of my life and I feel confident for the first time that although I've lost some battles, I know this battle's won. And that's what I'm thankful for more than anything in this world. So now that you know just a little bit more about me, I hope you're going to tune into my podcast for future episodes. Like I said, a lot of the episodes that I'm going to be talking about, I'm going to expound upon what uh, I briefly gave you descriptions of today. And I just want you to know the whole purpose for this is to give hope and let people know no matter what life's thrown at you, there's always a way through it. Like I said, I'm still struggling. I still have obstacles I'm overcoming. By any and all means, just because I have a podcast talking about it does does not mean that I'm an expert and this is what you should do in the past that you should follow. But the difference with me now is that I have an emotional maturity to accept these struggles and move through them without shutting down and hopefully moving past them. Because that's what is important. Like I said, the scars are always going to be there. They're always going to be reminders. But instead of letting those shut you down, you're going to be able to look at those and say, okay, I made it through it. and makes you just a little bit stronger. Because every day is still a struggle for me. I have to remind myself one more step, just one more step. Then when I take that step, I take one more step. And I keep telling myself that every day, every day. So most of the matter or the subject matter that I've discussed, like I said, I'm going to dedicate entire episodes to because we've only seen the tip of my life's iceberg and I want to share the rest of it with you. Now, again, I want to put this out there because I don't want you to look at this as I'm giving you any type of doctoral type information. I'm not, I'm here not to counsel. I'm not to give advice. Just want to share and let you know that there are other people out there struggling just like you are. Sometimes we feel alone like we're on a desert island, but we're not. 
there's others there if we just look around and we find each other. So I have started a Facebook page and that's where this podcast is and contact me. I mean, if you want to send me a message, just know that I will definitely respond. I am not going to blast your name or your anything that you tell me. I'm not going to put into the podcast. Um, I don't want you to feel embarrassed to do so. Just kind of let me know what you think. You know, am I on the right path? What do you think about the podcast? You know, is there anything that I can help you with as far as praying for you or anything like that? And so that's what I want you to do. Again, on Facebook, it's called Traversing Life's Path. Do a search for it. Hopefully it's been shared to you by some friends. Or if you want to, please share it with your friends. And and just remember, we're all warriors fighting our battles. And it's time that we kind of fight them together. So thanks for tuning in, and I will have another podcast out in two weeks, and hope to see you there. Thanks for tuning in.